Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. Best day of the week. Mm hmm. Dominic Sully. Noah Baker. We are here for the fifth time in, I think, a week now. Yes. They've probably heard enough of us, but we're here again. But we're here again. And we're here to preview. This is the one. The first pay per view of 2021. Yeah. And we will also probably end up being one of the biggest pay-per-views of 2021. How are you doing, my friend? I'm nervous. I've never been more nervous to record an episode. I think the, I'm getting similar feelings of this one that I got for... Our very first? I was going to say for the first uh, pay-per-view. Yeah, breakdown, with uh, Stipe, and Stipe and DC. DC, yeah. Um, that, that one just felt like a big deal, and this one's giving me similar similar butterflies, right? Because in the main event, mm-hmm. we have right. Dustin, the Diamond Poirier, the number two ranked UFC lightweight in the world, versus the notorious Conor McGregor, the number four ranked lightweight champ or lightweight contender in the world, former two division world champ. This is going to be a big historical pay per view to say the least. Yeah, I mean, what a way to kind of just bust in the oh, 2021 yeah. right yeah and what a way to cap off the third stint of fight island yeah you know the third event in a week and i mean it's connor hello yeah. by the way the rest of the main card is very good of course we'll get yeah. into that later but it's connor dustin in the debut of michael chandler it, it's a big deal big it's deal. A big deal overall doing well though yes i am doing well i guess i forgot to answer that question yourself yeah doing good um just very excited to uh, Saturday is a big deal in many ways for me. Yeah, let them know. Not only do I get to watch this fantastic pay-per-view with some of my best friends, I also am getting my first tattoo on Saturday. It is a very epic day. Yeah, so I'll be getting my first tattoo at about noon. <laughs> and watching uh, fights at 7. <laughs> yes, I will. And <laughs> I just want to... I got I to gotta joke. I got to mess with you a little bit here because... I'm just looking out for me you. and Dominic are two guys that we do not have tattoos. Um, my dad has a few, so I, I've at least like I, I know a little bit about him, and I watch Ink Master, and obviously that show has <laughs> yeah. taught me so much. It taught you how to do it all. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, when I told Dominic, when I reminded him, I should say that I was getting it before we went and watched this pay per view, he asked me if I was still going to be able to drive. It's on the leg. <laughs> It is on It's the on leg. your pedal foot. Pedal leg. <laughs> gas brake leg. Look, man. I'm just looking out for you. I it's it was very sweet. Because Noah's the one that usually drives to the pay per view endeavors. Right. Wherever they may be. No, this is so. a good point. However, it's just so funny to me that you thought I was gonna be like incapacitated. <laughs> I just had to look, it was very kind of you looking yeah. out for your friend. Right. You know? Right. Really appreciate it. I, I'll try my but best. But also just had to expose you a bit. That's fine. <laughs> However. Let's get into it. You know, Let's just do it, right? Well, I guess we have one thing to mention first. First. One little thing. Before we get into the breakdown, it's time for the news. The news. Very small, but we finally have some after two episodes without. <laughs> yes. One we, quick bullet. Point. Precisely. We really just have one thing to talk about. So um, this is a follow-up from the card we talked about last Friday and yep. then earlier this week on Monday, uh, the Holloway versus Cater card. That was the UFC's debut on ABC Network. Turns um, out it did pretty damn good. Did pretty damn good. Uh, at 
its peak, it reached 1.6 million viewers. Mind you, that's while NFL playoffs are happening. This is true. Um, what a big deal. And I think that just further proves what we had, our sentiment after the card is that UFC is going to be making a few more appearances on ABC, I think, oh, in the future. 100%. With that 1.6 million number, uh, that fight night main event, so Holloway Cater became the second most viewed fight night main event since 2019. Mm-hmm. So. A big deal, and then another semicolon off of that bullet point, or semi-bullet point. I don't know what the, the terminology is. Okay. The UFC 257 countdown, so the Poirier-McGregor <laughs> 2 countdown that always goes up on YouTube, but of course airs on one of the ESPN channels as well, was the most viewed UFC countdown telecast in the last 10 years. Wow, I had no idea. So the big ABC slash ESPN partnership, obviously ESPN's been with UFC since 2019 now, but it just continues to grow with these two statistics here. So. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to make note of that because I'm just happy to see Max and Cater. You yeah, know, get the, that. the ABC deal is a huge, huge thing. 1.6 million. It's unquestionable now they will be back on ABC yeah. for sure. So, yeah, besides that, that and is all. <laughs> that is it. For the news. The news. Oh, that means it's time to do this, and I'm not ready. It is time to break down some fights. But first, before we get into our thoughts on UFC 257, we have a little, little, a little pinch of something here. A little, (laughs) a little, a little something, something for you. Cooking up in the kitchen. We have our very first voice message, Dom. Very first, and we've been hitting it hard so far in 2021 this is the thing we want to get really out there grow the community mm-hmm. get these voice messages in interact with all you uh fans out there and we have one yeah it's a good way to put it um so before we get into our thoughts we want to hear your thoughts and that's going to lead us into none other than our good friend tyler to give his thoughts about the co-main and main event of ufc 257 take it away tyler Welcome back, everybody. Ha ha! I've wanted to do that for all 60 episodes, or 61 or 62, whatever you guys are on. Tyler here, very loyal listener and viewer, and uh, and so I uh, wanted to go ahead and, and give my thoughts on the upcoming UFC 257, McGregor versus Poirier 2. Um, obviously, lots of good fights on this main card, some of them more familiar with than others. Um, most excited, I would say, for for the the main and the co-main. As far as the co-main, I, I've got I've got some some uh, I've got some faith in Michael Chandler to to make a big example out of Dan Hooker. Might be a hot take, but that's what I think is going to happen with that one. Michael Chandler, I think, is going to rise quickly. And as far as the main event, you know what it is. Mystic Mac predicts knockout in under sixty seconds. I love Dustin. But I got Connor coming back. The king is back, baby. Tyler, thank you so much for giving your thoughts. Uh, we just really appreciate that. Uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that it was him. Not at all. Um, Tyler loves to to be you know first. He loves to yeah. be that guy, and uh, really just shows what a, what a great friend you are to support us. You know, you're, you've been watching us for such a long time now. And a day one. Yeah, we want to repay that favor a little bit. So I just want to give a quick plug oh, of course. to what Tyler's doing in his life. Uh, he just recently got married. A lot of big um, things. Shout out to Kelsey, yes. uh, your lovely wife, who's also a friend of mine. Uh, great people. Tyler's actually an independent author. Yes, and a good one. And a good one at that. 
Um, so he has got a few different books that you can check out now. If you go to his website, Tyler Porter Books, that's Tyler Porter, P-O-R-T-E-R, books.com. Um, you can check out all the selection he has of his books. He's also got a new standalone book coming. Oh, and, I'm looking and forward to that one. His specialty is thrillers. Oh, yeah. And you know that that feeling you get, Dom, when you when you just get that little that little something, your your heart starts beating so fast. It's and, like when this main event's going to yeah, start. Your hands start shaking. Yeah. You, you start getting all sweaty. Knees weak, arms are heavy. Exactly. That's what Tyler's books do to you. Unbelievable. So check out his website. There's a lot more detail on there. Um if you're at, if you're interested in uh, if you're if you become a fan of Tyler Porter's books, uh, let us know. Let us know. We'll put you in a little Facebook group for his avid fans. Yes, yes. Um, but much respect to you, Tyler, for all you do. I don't know how you write books as often as you do. I I'm not he's much... the Hamzat Chamaya of <laughs> the books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, truthfully, I've never been much of a reader, and even I can say that his stuff's good. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I'm glad that I could say that because I didn't want to look him in the face and say, your books suck. <laughs> so I was really happy when I could say, you know what? It was good. Yes. And, yeah, so if you guys are a fan of reading, or even if you're not, check it out. Because it I, think, I think he could open you up to maybe some new avenues that you might have thought you wouldn't be interested and in. And a great guy to be supporting. Of course. Support your independent authors. Right. Support Support your independent artists, right? Yeah. So, so thank you, Tyler. You're the man. Yep. Mystic P, as he likes to be called. <laughs> Mystic P. However. <laughs> it's our turn. It's our turn Tyler, to take over. Tyler, back. Tyler, back. Sit, sit, sit down yeah, for a second. Sit down. It's our turn to break down this main card for UFC 257. <laughs> we got five fights to talk about here. And I'm going to tell good you, fights. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go through the card. Yep, go through it. Go through it. So we open our night. Women's straw weight. Now, all these are main card fights, let me yeah, be clear. So, yeah. you got to buy a pay-per-view to watch any of these. Right. However, there are some great fights on the prelims. There are. Khalil Roundtree versus Marcin Procneo is the one that sticks out to me. And, right after that, Juliana Pena versus Sarah McMahon. I'm very much looking forward to that. Also, Brad Tavares versus Antonio Carlos Jr. And... The headline of the prelims, Nazrat Hakparas versus Armand Saryukin. Those are all fantastic fights. We were very tempted yeah. to just break them all down, but we were like, okay. We, we have, we have very big fights yeah. to talk about, yeah. so we don't want to be here all day. You right. Know? So, five fights we're talking about. Our main card starts at women's strawweight. Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Hebas. This is definitely... These are two women that... I. They're prospects, but they're very much reaching. They're they're hitting their stride. Right? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, they're they're starting to really establish themselves as they're kind of shedding that prospect mold mm-hmm. and really embracing just being either stars or just established veterans almost in a way. Especially for someone like Marina, who's thirty three already. Yeah, and still looked at as a prospect. You know, yeah. This I is mean, someone, by the way, Marina Rodriguez didn't even begin. Fighting professionally until 2015. Didn't make her debut in the UFC mm-hmm. till 2018. Yeah. That's why she's very much still looked at as a prospect yeah. in my eyes. This next fight, though, definitely fits that mold just the same. At lightweight, Matt Frivola, the ground this specialist, going fight. up against Otman Azetar. We've broken him down before. Yes, we have. Uh, when he fought Kama Worthy. Yes, yeah. Um, Otman's been... He, he, made a, he was very under... I think he was a little underappreciated in 2020 for what he was doing, but here on a main card, on a Conor McGregor card, uh, he's got a chance to shine brightest after that. Women's flyweight, that's right, you get two women's fights on this main card. Yes. 
Jessica I. Shout out O H I O. Going up against Joanne Calderwood. Also, big fan of Joe. This is a, this is a big fight. Joanne, her last fight was a title eliminator. Yeah, she, she chose to not wait for Valentina and instead take a fight and ended up losing that fight yeah. to Jennifer Maya. So, and while Jessica I fought for the belt way back in I want to say UFC two thirty eight. Yeah, is that when Valentina was? kicked her head off of her shoulders. Was that the card? Was it the Cejudo Moraes card? Yes, that was the headliner. So UFC 238, uh, yeah, she got head kicked into... She got sent to the nether realm. Yes. However, she's back here. She's had some some physical ailments that Mm -hmm. have been holding her back with her gallbladder. So hopefully that's all past her now. But this is a big fight. Uh, Both women looking to reestablish themselves at the top of the division. top ten. And looking forward to that one. Co-main event. Oh, boy. Next to her at lightweight. Oh, boy. Dan Hooker versus the debuting Michael Chandler. Mr. Bellator, as I've been kind of coining him as in this podcast. Um, What a tough fight for Michael Chandler. And really, you could say the same for Dan Hooker. I mean, for both these guys, I feel like where their strengths lie is very much, if you have to point a weakness out in Dan Hooker or in Michael Chandler, it it is like their weakness. So I feel like it's kind of perfect matchmaking in that way. There's a lot unknown about Michael Chandler, about how good can he really be in the UFC, considering he spent most of his career in Bellator. And not that, you know, we just haven't seen this much. A guy who spent so long in Bellator coming over to prove himself, still in his physical prime, I would say. This is true, 32. So there's a lot that's going to be answered here, including with these promotions. You know, Michael Chandler was fighting for belts up until the time he left. If he comes over here and gets stomped, like, you know, no, no disrespect, but how Ben Askren did, you might still, it's like, okay, we know who further they, cements yeah. Bellator as a B-tier organization. But if he comes over here, starches yeah, Dan Hooker. Exactly. What that can do for that promotion and what that can do for Michael Chandler, it's a lot. Oh, 100%. And our main event. Yeah. It's the rematch six years in the making. It's pressure makes diamonds. Dustin Poirier. Taking on the notorious Conor McGregor. What a main event. <laughs> no belt on the line, but it doesn't matter. This is legacy. Yeah, it is, man. And just for the lightweight division right now, it is on fire. Mm-hmm. As if it isn't already every other time of the year, right now, especially with the co main and this, with all the things up in the air about Habib. This is just massive, massive main event here. The lightweight division's giving, getting center stage here, not only oh, yeah. with the the main and co-main, but you get a couple of prospect fights with Fravola Azatar yep. and Hawk Perez Saryukin. Yep. So, without further ado, let's just get into it here. We open the card, Marina Rodriguez, Amanda Hebas. First, actually, I'm going to plug... Ah, uh, you're too kind. So, as I've mentioned before... Dominic is now in the MMA elite. Oh, I hate he when you a, say that. <laughs> I just say it to, to fuck with him. He is uh, It's a big deal, though. He's a writer now for Overtime Heroics. Uh, you can check them out on Twitter, really anywhere, social media. Yep. Um, they've been posting his article around that he just wrote for uh, previewing this fight. He Shout out to Amanda Hebas, by the way. Yeah. She liked the tweet. Yeah, there you go. Pulled at the heartstrings a little. Marina saw it and said, fuck you. And we'll Probably. You I, Marina, it's nothing personal. <laughs> Uh, however, check that out. Uh, you probably will, if you even go to our uh, Twitters, you'll probably see we've shared it, I believe. I believe it's I been retweeted, it. yeah. So just get on Overtime Heroics, support them. They're still trying to make a name for themselves in, yeah. the, uh, 
in the MMA community, but Dominic doing big things for him. He had the choice. Yeah. He could have done. He could have broke down Poirier McGregor, and he chose this fight. So go ahead and show him why. I'm going to tell him why right here. Number eight, Marina Rodriguez. Number ten, Amanda Hebas. Marina Rodriguez is 12, one and two, five KO TKOs, one submission. She's two, one and two in the UFC. Uh, she has a TKO victory on Dana White's Contender Series Brazil. That was back in August of 2018, which uh, got her into the UFC. Her debut happening in September. Uh, that year she's got notable wins against Jessica Aguilar that was March 20th of 2019 that was a unanimous decision also a unanimous decision victory over Tisha Torres the lone loss on her record was to the very first women's strawweight champion Carla Esparza that was back this past summer on Fight Island in a very close split decision and then how I mentioned two draws which is you don't see many people have two draws on their record in general, but to have two draws in the UFC, even more rare. The first draw was her UFC debut. That was against Randa Marcos, who was ranked 13th at the time. And then she fought Cynthia Calvillo, which happened to be Cynthia's very last fight at strawweight before moving up to 125. So those are her two draws on her record, but by no means should you sleep on Marina Rodriguez. Mm-mm. She's an absolute beast. Blue corner, Amanda Hebas, number 10 in the division, a 10-1 and record, three KOTKOs, four submissions, undefeated in the UFC at 4-0. MMA debut, or UFC debut, I should say, over Emily Whitmire, defeated her via submission. Gave Mackenzie Dern her very first professional loss. That was via unanimous decision in a fantastic fight, may I add. Defeated Randa Marcos. That was via unanimous decision. And then also this past July on Fight Island, submitted Paige Van Zandt with a nasty armbar. Her only professional loss was at Jungle Fight 83 back in 2015. And that was against Poliana Viana, who's actually in the UFC and is 2-3 and three in her endeavors so far. This is a great fight. This is a very important fight to see who is going to take that next step. Who's going to get top five in their next bout. Mm-hmm. One of these women and I stand firmly on this, could very well be challenging for the title by the end of 2021. That's a a great way to put it, yeah. Um, The star potential of Amanda Hebus is very well documented at this point, but just in case you don't know, she became basically a star after her performance over Paige Van Zandt at UFC 251. That was the very first Fight Island pay-per-view, the very first card on Fight Island. And again, first fight on the main card. Yeah, first fight on the main card. She got a really slick armbar finish over a big name in women's MMA. The biggest name on her record. Yeah, and she did it pretty easily. She was very all smiles in the post-fight. By the way, that was at 125 pounds. Keep that in mind for later on in her career. So, right, and... After that, like the post fight, just everything, you know, people just her really, personality. People really bought into her. Yeah, yeah. Marina has had much of a of a just more under under the radar. Under the radar. Yeah. Um, her biggest fight being that fight with Esparza, which she showed some great striking, and that's going to be kind of her yes. bread and butter here. However, yeah. her takedown defense was that's where very very. Um, it, it made me a little worried for in the in the, in the two draws she has with Marcos and Calvillo. Yeah. Both of those were draws because there was a ten eight round against her, and that was they were both rounds where she got dominated on yeah. the ground. 
Now, Esparza is one of the best wrestlers yeah. in the division. However, she's going up against Amanda Hebas, who... <laughs> is about as well-rounded as they come, but if we're talking jiu-jitsu... She's super well-rounded. Yeah. However, her strength... Her strength in this fight particularly will be to get Marina to the ground, 100%. While Marina does have an advantage on the feet. Yeah, Muay Thai is second to none. But I'll keep this simple. Marina has more holes in her game than Amanda does, at least from what I've seen so far. I've seen Amanda strike a little bit, and she looks competent. See, she looks comfortable on the yeah, feet. Exactly. I wouldn't call her like you know some amazing striker, right? But she does have three knockout wins, only and four submission wins. So yeah. it's not like she's overwhelmingly a jujitsu fighter. Marina five wins via TKO KO and one win via submission. Um, the takedown defense is just too worrisome to me. And yeah. Maybe she's, I would assume she's been working on it. But this is a very tough task to take on when you're still working on some of those kinks. I'm going Amanda Hivas, and I'm going via decision. I am doing the same thing, Amanda Hivas here, via decision. This should be a very fun fight, interesting fight. And it really comes down to, okay, we feel that Amanda is good enough on the feet to not get overwhelmed or just dominated. Because the the wins that Marina has, she dominates on the feet. Mm-hmm. She It's not even close. But... Amanda, I feel, can compete. But if you look at it the other way, if Amanda can get Marina to the ground, I don't feel Marina can compete on the floor. And that's where the biggest difference is going to come in here, and that's why I'm going with Amanda Hebos. Yeah, I think Marina's Marina but, if Marina, If Amanda truly has a hard time getting Marina down, it could be, it could be a very even yeah, fight, yeah. or even Marina could it, really have yeah. the advantage there. However, she just hasn't shown a strong ability to prevent those takedowns. And with Amanda, who shows so much promise and has shown to be so good at getting that fight to where she wants it to go, um, I definitely look for this to be spent a lot of time on the ground. Yeah, I Next agree. fight, lightweight, Matt Fravola, Atman Azetar. We've had an undefeated fighter here now. Yes, We've we got Atman Azetar, 13-0 and with 10 KOTKOs, two submissions. That's 12 out of 13 via finish. 2-0 in the UFC with a notable win against Kama Worthy, who we were big on when we broke down that fight. I even picked Kama Worthy to win yeah, that fight. Yeah, and uh, he beat him via TKO. Ten of those 12 finishes have came in round number one. For Matt Frivola, he's 8-1, and one, one KO, TKO, three submissions. He's 3-1-1 one, and one in the UFC, one of those wins coming on the Contender Series. Uh, he also has wins over Jalen, the Tarantula Turner. That was a unanimous decision. And a split decision over Luis Pena. The draw on his record in the UFC came to Lando Venata, who is no slouch by any means. And three out of his four finishes have also came in the first round. This this may be fun, Noah. This, this is going to be a fun one. However, we like undefeated fighters, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do definitely have an inkling for him, don't we? And I'm going to stick with the undefeated fighter here. And I'm going with the power. I'm going a first-round KO-TKO, Atman Azaitar. He's really just shown a lot. His one-punch KO back at the uh, UFC 242 Habib and Dustin card in Abu Dhabi, one-punched a guy, and he literally face-planted onto the canvas. <laughs> it was did. actually hard to watch. That he did. And he pretty much ran through Kama Worthy oh, like yes. he was nothing. Yeah, it's been easy. And that was a Kama Worthy who had been surging up to yep, that point, yep. completely just basically being like the biggest underdog in all these fights and still coming out Just on top. Just a bully, man. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same prediction. Azetar via first round TKO or KO. 
Um, Frivola, his only, he's only got the one loss. He's had a very good go of things. That one loss, though, to Polo Reyes, a one-minute KO. Right. It, it definitely it, when you when there's when both these guys have shown such few like weaknesses or they've just had such few fights where they've lost, mm-hmm. you almost have to put a a larger emphasis on fights that you normally wouldn't. A lot of times, the guys only lost one time. It was a first round knockout. I'd be like, oh, okay, it happens. You know, he got it got caught. But Ozzy Tarz looked incredible, and right now he looks like he's he's still getting better and better. Yeah. His last three fights, none of them going past, I think, two minutes. Scary, dude. He's scary on the feet, and I just don't quite have the confidence in Favola to get the fight there in enough time. I think uh, he's going to really work for those takedowns, but it could leave him open to yeah. some huge shots from Ozzy and I don't see Favola being able to take many of them. And, uh, yeah, that's why I'm going first round. TKO or KO? That, that has potential to be a banger. But I agree. Azaitar, man, scary dude. I definitely agree with that. I think this fight could, um, if it's able to get out of the first round, I could totally see this just being fight of the night yeah. type material. However, if it's not able to get out of there like we're predicting, yeah. I'm not quite going to predict it to be fight of the night. Moving on, women's flyweight, yes, Jessica sir. I, Joanne Calderwood. Now, this is number six versus number seven here. So, another big fight in this division, similar to the strawweight, uh, opening the card with Marina and Amanda. Jessica Evil Eye from Ohio. I have to give her a shout out. She's 15 and eight, three KO, TKOs, one submission. She's five and seven with one no contest in the UFC, but she has fought top tier competition throughout. She's got wins over Leslie Smith via TKO, unanimous decisions over Jessica Rose Clark and Vivian Arujo, who we just broke down and beat Roxanne mm-hmm. on the Wednesday card. That's a big win, and that was following her loss to Valentina, so that's a very good bounce back. And then also has a split decision over Caitlin Chukagian, former title challenger. She's got losses, uh, losses to Alexis Davis via split decision, lost to Misha Tate via unanimous decision, uh, Juliana Pena decision. Sarah McMahon, who is fighting on the prelims, as Noah mentioned, that's also a decision. Lost to Betch Cohea in Cleveland mm-hmm. at UFC 203, the yep. fight that we attended. That was via split decision and a fight we both agree. We thought, we thought Jessica I won, mm-hmm. and so did the Ohio crowd, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. uh, also got KO'd in her title bout with Valentina Shevchenko with a nasty head kick. And then in her most recent bout, which was a main event, Back when the UFC kind of got the ball rolling again from all the COVID stuff, she lost a decision to Cynthia Calvillo in her flyweight debut. Other end of the octagon, JoJo, Joanne Calderwood, 14 wins, 5 losses, 5 KOTKOs, 1 submission. She's 6-5 and five in the UFC, wins over Courtney Casey via decision. Valerie Letourneau, if you haven't heard of her, that's a former title challenger, by the way, and she TKO'd her. She got a decision win over Ariane Lipsky and a split decision over Andrea Lee. She's got losses to Jessica Andrade in another fight that we saw in Cleveland at UFC 203. Noah's got a great story about that one. (laughs) Hopefully he doesn't tell it. Go check out that episode. (laughs) We did an episode on our trip to UFC 203 in Cleveland. It's in there. Go watch it. No, go ahead. I do want them to listen to it, so I guess go ahead and watch it. Anyway, Andrade, that was via submission. Uh, also lost to Cynthia Calvillo via decision. Lost to Caitlin Chukagian 
And then in her most recent fight, as Noah mentioned, lost via submission to Jennifer Maya, who just challenged Valentina for the strap. Joanne has four first-round finishes out of those uh, six total that she's got on her record. Let me pose a question to you here. Okay. Before, before we uh, you know, start making rash, rash calls here, <laughs> Right. Um, with these two women, where do you see the advantages at here for either girl? Jessica in the striking, JoJo on the ground. See, that's funny because I kind of, I kind of agree with you. But neither are weak in. But the thing is, JoJo strength. for for I I feel like she has an underrated ground game because I always feel like it's good, but she only has one win via submission. True. Yeah. Now it's not all about finishing the fight on the ground. You know that control is yeah. a big thing. Um, I'm not even. Mm. This is going to get into my what I'm going to call here. I actually am going to go Joanne Calderwood via second-round submission. Ooh, really? Truthfully, uh, it's it's not all fair. I really do hope Jessica I is healthy and doing well and it comes back better than ever. However, those health concerns with her gallbladder, that really yeah. put her out Long for lay off. all of 2020 pretty much besides that main event loss to Calvillo. Um, she didn't look particularly good in that fight. Um, really, after that's where a lot of these these struggles for her have came into play. Um, it seems like a pretty quick comeback, considering we were just hearing about a lot of this issues with her gallbladder just a they couple months ago. They were serious, too, yeah. Just a couple months ago they were talking about it. And here she is back here. I worry that that's going to compromise her too much, and I don't think that her advantage in the striking is is much. Well, I think Calderwood has a pretty stark, Sign- yeah, right. significant. It's kind of like the same with yeah, Marina and Amanda. Yeah, it's definitely similar. I just think that her possibly just not being the same fighter coming into this one that we've seen from her in the past, I think she's going to get kind of bullied by JoJo here, and yeah. I think she's going to get finished second-round submission. Yeah, I think JoJo has a lot to prove coming off that. You know, Again, she did not have to take that fight with Jennifer Maya. She was going to fight for the title and chose to fight and came up on the short end of the stick. But I think she's got a lot to prove here to prove she still can earn that title shot. Not that Jessica doesn't have a lot to prove, but I just feel like it's going to edge in JoJo's favor. She's going to be the aggressor, in my opinion. I think she's going to look to make a statement. However, Jessica's tough, and for that reason, I'm going to go JoJo Calderwood via decision. Mm-hmm. She's going to drag it out, get it at the three rounds. So, And we've, we've talked about on this podcast, typically when it comes to women's MMA, as great as it is, Though I don't want people to think this is a slight a slight on it, the finishing rate for women's fights is lower mm-hmm. than for men, and you've probably if, I don't know if anybody's noticed we co- we call a lot of decisions in mm-hmm. women's fights. That might be one of the first women's fights that I predicted a a finish for. Really, I'm pretty sure it's one of the first. It might be the first, but I didn't want to say that. Someone's gonna have to go through yeah. the, the uh, yeah, library someone, and fact check. Tyler, it. dig through it for me. <laughs> Because it might be hyperbole, but I wanted to still throw that out there that that's how confident I am in JoJo right. in this fight, and uh, that could blow up in my face, but yeah. I put myself out there like that. I respect it. Yeah, so on to the co-main event of the evening. The lightweights have arrived. Dan Hooker coming off that war over the summer. One of the Dustin fight of the year Poirier. candidates. One, it was one of our fight of the year nominees for our BAJ award show. Be sure to check that out as well. He's back, and he's welcoming Michael Chandler to the UFC. He's taking a risk by doing this. 
both guys, I feel That's like. That's true. Uh, I think the bigger risk is actually on Chandler here. Oh. But anyways, I'm going to let you go ahead and do your breakdown before I get into any more into this fight. So, so being that, uh, you know, Dan Hooker is going to be in the red corner. Typically, I read red corner to blue corner. However, with Chandler making his debut, I figure we talk about Michael Chandler first. Cool. Mr. Mike Chandler, Mr. Bellator, as Noah likes to call him, is coming in, making his UFC debut with a record of 21 wins, 5 losses, 9 KOTKOs, 7 submissions. That's 16 out of 21 via finish. As I said, it's his UFC debut, so no record to go off of here. Notable wins, Eddie Alvarez via submission. That was way back in one of the fight of the years that year. He beat Patricky for... I don't know how to say the Pitbull's last name. Just say Pitbull. I'm just going to say Patricky Pitbull then. He's beat him twice, once via unanimous decision, once via KO. He's beaten Benson Henderson, former UFC champion, twice, once via split decision, once via KO. He's beaten Goethe Yamauchi via unanimous decision. That was in a title defense. He's beaten Brent Primus via unanimous decision. That is the lone loss on Mr. Brent's record, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he has beaten Sydney Outlaw, which is a badass name. And at the time, by the way, that was via KO. Sydney was on a nine-fight win streak going into that fight. Notable losses. He's also lost to Eddie Alvarez. That was a split decision. Has been beaten by Will Brooks twice, once via split, and then once via TKO. Got beat by Brent Primus, so they're split at one and one. That was via TKO. And then lost to Patricky's brother, Patricio Pitbull. Uh, that was via TKO, and he lost his title over there at Bellator for the last time. Some more nitty-gritty here on Chandler, being that it is his debut. He's got 12 first-round finishes out of those 16. He's a three-time Bellator lightweight champion with five total title defenses. But now it's time for the hangman. I think Mr. so. Mr. Dan Hooker, again, coming off that fight of the year candidate with Dustin Poirier last June, I believe. Mm-hmm. He's 20-9, and 10 KOTKOs, 7 submissions. He's 10-5 and five in the UFC. Wins over Ross Pearson via KO. Submission over Mark Diak... I always forget how to say his Mark last Jacasey. name. Mark Jacasey. Thank you. That was via submission. KO Jim Miller. KO'd Gilbert Burns, who is now about to challenge... Kamaru Usman for the title at welterweight mm-hmm. in a little over, like, I don't know, three weeks' time. KO James Vick, a decision win over Ally Quinta, and then a very good fight with Paul Felder that was a split decision. He's lost to Yair Rodriguez via unanimous decision, lost to Jason Knight via unanimous decision, got te- or technically KO'd by Edson Barbosa. That was due to some brutal body work. Oof. And then again, Dustin the Diamond Poirier, who's main eventing tonight. With, or tomorrow's card with Conor McGregor. That was a decision. 12 of those 17 finishes on Dan's record have came in the first round. Interesting. This is a banger. It is. This is a banger. So, elephant in the room. Michael Chandler, being that this is his debut, there's not a ton. I mean, he has a, a long list of Very good resume yeah. in Bellator, and he's probably – one of the best fighters that's ever came through that promotion, mm-hmm. especially when you look at the accolades he's got. He was the face of their promotion really for a was. while, you know. And um, all respect to him, and Bellator is a very respectful organization. They're not, you know, this isn't the regional circuit or anything. This is definitely the major leagues. Yeah, the main. oh yeah. Um, however, it's always been looked at as like the, the red-headed stepchild yeah. compared to the UFC, you know. It's the... 
they're they're always the B tier compared to the UFC's A tier. Um, and I think the closest thing to proof you can put on that for Michael Chandler, for any of the naysayers to him making his debut here, those two losses you mentioned to Will Brooks. Yeah. Will Brooks was phenomenal in Bellator. Yep. Phenomenal. Obviously beating Michael Chandler. He won the belt from Chandler. Yeah, yep. So then, so basically the first fight he was for the interim belt. Yeah, then they unified. Then they they fought again for the vacant belt, which he also won. That the, was, the second one was the TKO, yeah. yeah. Then he goes on to win two more fights in Bellator, both defending the lightweight championship. One to Dave Jansen, one to Marcin Held, another guy who's fought in the UFC. Then, I don't know if you know this, he goes over to the UFC. Yeah, Will Brooks has a UFC bet. And he was a very, that was a very big get. It was mm-hmm. very similar to where what Chandler is now. now. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the UFC quite capitalized on it as much as they're doing with Chandler. Now, what year did he come over? So, that would have been 2016. Okay. Uh, those Chandler fights happening in 2014. He comes over, wins his first fight versus Ross Pearson, who, especially at that time, very tough Tough fighter, as nails, man. Via unanimous decision, but then he dropped three straight. Yep. Alex Oliveira, Charles Oliveira, and Nick Lentz. Tough run. All via finish. And then he was cut. So, going one and three in the UFC, but still close enough to where he, I mean, he beat Michael Chandler Chandler pretty handedly for two fights. Yeah. That's probably, if you're going to be a naysayer, that's probably your biggest piece of evidence right Right, there. Right, And that, can Michael Chandler really hang here? But... Michael Chandler's also beaten some former UFC title holders. Yep, multiple times. Now, I believe Benson. the Eddie Alvarez win was before he came to yeah, the UFC. Yeah, that was... Yeah. While the Benson Henderson win, the first one, was pretty close after he left mm-hmm. the promotion. So, yep. still beating a really good Benson Henderson. I definitely think Michael Chandler... Here's He's, how I feel in my head. I feel that Michael Chandler is definitely a top 10 lightweight. But... I grow less confident when you get to like top, top five. five. Yeah, I'm not saying that he isn't, because truthfully, Dan Hooker in a way right now is kind of like that gatekeeper for that top five level. Yeah, you know, not that he Dan Hooker could always end up being a champion. Like yeah, it's just, he just recently. I'm just got saying there, right you know? now, yeah. he is that gatekeeper in a way. Like if he beats Dan Hooker, I'm like, okay, you're probably a top five guy. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if he can though. Dan Hooker, when it comes to striking, he's he's fantastic. Damn good. Now and Michael d- Chandler, damn good takedown defense. Yeah, Michael Chandler's uh, no only, scrap. Michael Chandler's definitely got the pedigree in wrestling, but he's he aggressive. loves he loves a good old fashioned. Oh yeah, oh, uh, yeah. he's coming to fight. Yeah, he loves a good old fashioned scrap now, and that actually kind of concerns me in this fight. He's very look. Michael Chandler might be the most athletic guy in this whole promotion at this point. Yeah. Super athletic freak. He's built like a freaking statue, man. But Chandler's got the height advantage. He's going to have the reach advantage. You mean Hooker. What did I say Chandler? Yeah. Sorry, Hooker. Hooker's a tall yeah, guy. Ho- Hooker's got like four or five inches of yeah. height on him. He's going to have the reach advantage, being that he's going to be looking to keep the fight on the feet. Really, I see this fight going one of two ways. If Hooker wins, I see it being a stoppage. I see a knockout stoppage. If Chandler wins, I see it being kind of a decision win. Yeah, yeah. And it just depends on how good is his wrestling. Is he able to get that fight to the ground? Because I really don't think 
he's not going to be able to outstrike. I don't think he so. may be able to compete he on may, the feet, but he may, he's not going to be able to outstrike. If it's going to be, if he's going to be, you know, amped up and like, let's go, let's keep I think it up. He's going to come out aggressive. Then actually, he could catch Hooker off guard. He really could. Hooker Hooker's can, usually a very calm yeah. fighter. He's not someone that really. He's been in some amazing fights. Really, all of his and, fights and have been awesome. And he can take shots. But man. he's not necessarily like a like a, you know, he's not necessarily a guy that comes out like a bull in a china shop just throwing wild shots. Right. Chandler has that that in him. Yeah, and that can be a weapon to use against Hooker. Here is that just that unpredictability. This is the hardest fight for me to predict. I've gone back and These forth. These last with it. two sucked for me. I've gone night. back and forth. I think I'm gonna go. Mm, Once it's said, it's said. I think I'm gonna go Michael Chandler via decision, and I think it's gonna be my fight of the night. I have Michael Chandler via decision. Wow. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna come out and try and make a damn statement, man. I, I think, think he's gonna be very aggressive, and uh, he's just. I think he's gonna put the pressure on. I think that's so where I think he's gonna be able to have the edge. Well, he's gonna get hit. He's going to get hit. I think actually... And he has been KO'd. We know Truthfully, this, I but, think both guys might get dropped in this fight. Yeah, this is going to be a barn burner of a fight. I think we're going to see three just absolute wars. Dan Hooker's never not in a war, and Chandler's had his fair shares of wars while being able to finish. But again, I don't think Hooker can... Or I mean, I don't think Chandler can finish Hooker. He's so damn tough. I mean, if Dustin couldn't knock him out with all those shots, I don't think Chandler can. I'm not saying it is impossible. But I think we're going to see a great war. Maybe even a fight where, you know, it could be a split. Mm-hmm. It could be, uh, you know, Hooker getting two judges or one judge's scorecards or winning, you know, one round out of the three if it's unanimous. It's going to be a good fight. But I think Chandler's going to come in and make a point. I, th- I really think he is. Do but it's predict- not going to be an easy fight. Do you predict it to be fight of the night? No. Hmm. Interesting. And if you noticed, I have not picked another one. <laughs> right, exactly. And we only have one fight left. Yeah, it's a very tough fight to call. I actually was very close to saying Hooker right there. I, yeah. I originally said Chandler, but I was talking it through. Here's why. Um, Hooker, if, if you go and watch his fight with Gilbert Burns, um, that was another fight where he had that height advantage, that reach advantage. Gilbert Burns also being super athletic. And that was before Gilbert obviously made the he lead caught, too. He good. caught Gilbert with like some knees and yeah. some punches to yeah. follow him up. And I think that similarly could happen here in this fight with Chandler. I really think that the knees of Hooker could really catch a shorter, stout fighter like yeah. Chandler. A guy who's got a natural wrestling stance, so he's already sitting He low. will have to be aware of the knees. So I think sure. the knees are going to be... I think he might get dropped by one. I don't think oh. he'll quite get finished. I think this fight's going to be a war. It's, it's my fight of the night. Um, but you know... I'm I'm very interested to see what we get into with this next one, right? We we've delayed it long enough. The main event of the evening, the rematch. What did I say? Not four, not, not five, five. Six, six years in the making. Dustin Poirier looks to shock the world. Really, to shock, to shock the world. He looks to just what's the word? Um, I guess He's make looking- up. For what was probably the most devastating loss yeah, of his career, he's looking to even the score. We could we could just against trilogy down against the line, you know? Conor McGregor, the biggest star in the game of all combat sports. And this is the first time we've gotten to break down either one of these guys. Yeah, here. that is true. And I'm very excited to do so. But first, you got to do your piece. <clears throat> Since it's the return of Conor <laughs> McGregor. 
I'm going to go over Connor's resume first, even mm-hmm. though he's fighting out of the blue corner. Okay. So similar to the last fight with Chandler. Connor McGregor is the number four ranked lightweight in the world. He's coming in with a 22 win, four loss record, 19 KOTKOs, one submission, 20 out of 22 via finish. 10 wins, two losses in the UFC. Wins over Max Holloway via decision. A TKO of Dustin Poirier in that first fight back in 2014. Uh, TKO Dennis Seaver. Uh, that was to get the interim title shot. And that was against Chad Mendez, where he also got a TKO finish. Then, to earn the undisputed featherweight, 145-pound belt, he KO'd the featherweight king and the featherweight goat at that time, Jose Aldo, with one punch, 13 seconds into the bout. The fastest finish in title fight history in the UFC. Then, gets a majority decision victory over Nate Diaz in one of the best fights, uh, really, I've ever seen. I remember sitting at B-Dubs mm-hmm. with you and watching yeah, that fight. That was, the just, first, man, yeah. that was the first pay-per-view we watched at B-Dubs. Yep. And... Probably the first time we ever talked about a podcast, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> Uh, then he TKO'd Eddie Alvarez to become the two-weight world champion, the first simultaneous uh, two-weight UFC champion at 145, and then this one at 155 pounds. And then his win last year in January of 2020 via TKO over Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Those two losses in the UFC have came to Nate Diaz uh, when he bumped up to fight him on short notice. He lost that via submission. That was at 170 pounds. And then in the world title fight that the entire globe tuned in for, Conor McGregor, Habib Nurmagomedov got submitted in the fourth round uh, via rear naked choke. 14 of his 20 finishes have came in the first round. And like I said, the first simultaneous two-weight UFC champion. In the red corner, the number two ranked lightweight in the world, Dustin the Diamond Poirier, 26 wins, 6 losses, 12 KOTKOs, 7 submissions, 18-5 and five with one no contest in the UFC. Wins over Max Holloway, not once but twice. Once via submission, back at featherweight, then a unanimous decision victory. That was for the interim lightweight belt. KO Diego Ferreira which I did not know until doing my studying, and now he's a top 10 lightweight in the world right mm-hmm. now. That's looking better and better by the day. TKO'd Yancey Medeiros, KO'd Bobby King Green, majority decision over Jim Miller, submitted Anthony Pettis, uh, got a TKO over Justin Gaethje, TKO'd Eddie Alvarez, and then last year, that fight of the year candidate with Dan Hooker won that via unanimous decision. His notable losses, the Korean Zombie, way back in the day via submission lost the decision to Cub Swanson got TKO'd by Connor as we already mentioned uh, got KO'd by Michael Johnson and then in his uh, world title fight with Habib to unify the belt Habib submitted Dustin in round number 3 with another rear naked choke 12 of his 19 finishes have came in the first round and as I mentioned the former interim lightweight champion of the world both these guys have had such different paths to this point. Yeah. Connor was essentially the chosen one from day one. He looked phenomenal at Featherweight. And you, there's no further proof of where the talent discrepancy was at that time than in their first fight. Yeah. Um, Connor 
essentially was skyrocketed into that title fight where he continuously overcame the naysayers. He beat Chad Mendez. They said, oh, it's just going to take a wrestler to beat him. After some early trouble, starches Chad Mendez. Yep. Then they said, well, okay, this has all been fun, but he but ain't beating no the king of Rio. He ain't beating the king of featherweight. Jose Aldo knocks him out in 13 seconds. One punch. The first punch that landed in the entire fight. Then his first loss in the UFC coming to Nate Diaz, a fight that was taken on short notice. He was put, originally supposed to fight RDA for the lightweight belt, and that was supposed to be him trying to become champ champ. Yeah. RDA has to pull out. Insert Nate Diaz. They fight at 170, 170 pounds. pounds. Um, Connor gets visibly tired. Oh, yeah. After throwing a lot of shots at Nate. And, and Nate Nate's just so kind tough, of man. ate through him. And he ends up... Connor ends up trying to shoot for a takedown. Yeah, that's when you knew, like, yeah. oh, damn. And Nate finishing the fight via rear naked choke. But then he comes back in the rematch and what was... And chooses to do it at 170 pounds yeah. again. And... I've went back and watched the fight more recently. Connor won that fight. Yeah, I agree. Three to two. I when I was in that beat ups, I was definitely like thinking that it was a lot closer than it was. It's still a very close fight, but to me, it was very clear. Three two. Connor just he he showed a lot more in that fight. That I think people give him credit for. And then obviously after that, his defining performance. Probably even I think it's more of a statement of how good he is than even the Jose Aldo knockout was that performance over Eddie Alvarez at UFC 205. That was one of the best title performances ever. And really, once he was crowned the first ever champ champ, that was simultaneous to... That was where he became global. That international was, megastar. That was his, that was him being... That was That it. was the range. You yeah. were getting, the world is yours now. Yeah, that was it. Dustin Poirier, on the other hand, has had a much longer road, a much tougher road. And a much just less looked upon, underrated, just sitting back. He's really know? had to kind of scratch and claw his way to everything he's gotten. Yep. Not that Connor has it, but Connor seemed to just always have that ability from day one. Dustin really had to had to find himself a lot After that loss to Connor. I mean, know? if you even go before that, I mean, he was in the WEC. Mm-hmm. Had a pretty decent run there. Comes to the UFC, lost a Korean Zombie via submission. That was a fight where he threw so much at Korean Zombie, and that was a testament to... Korean Zombie. Korean <laughs> Zombie just kept coming. You could tell it just, like, deflated him. It's like, what, I, what else can I do here? Yeah. Bounces back with the win over Jonathan Brookins, but then loses a decision to Cub Swanson, another tough guy. Then he wins three straight. Eric Koch, Diego Brandao, Akira Khorasani. Then he runs into Conor McGregor. So you see where I'm getting at here. He he constantly is like getting to... It's kind of like I've said similar things about our main event from Wednesday, Kiesa Magni. It's like when he got to that point where it was like, okay, if you pass this hump, you're established, you're legit... He faltered. And not even just a little bit, like kind of faltered in a big way. That McGregor fight was particularly a bit embarrassing mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. Then he goes on another big win streak. Diego Fajara, Yancey Medeiros, Joseph Duffy, who was the before Habib. Yeah, he submitted and they, Connor in Cage he was, Warriors. Yeah, so he was Connor McGregor's only loss yep. when he came to the UFC. Also via submission, by the way. Or Connor, anyway. And then he beat Bobby Green. Again, biggest win streak of his career, right? 
And this is the switch over, by the way, to 155 as well. But then he gets knocked out by Michael Johnson very quickly into the fight. And then after that's where he kind of just dug deep, right? Six in a row. And obviously reaching that, that, that interim title belt, you know, I know that was huge for him. And I know he lost in the, when he to Habib when they were going to um, unify the belt. But this road for him has been so – even though they're both here now. They're both – they both started at similar times in the UFC. They both have fought – I mean, Dustin's fought more in the UFC, but they both have – they're both here at the top now. But it just seems like Dustin's road has been a lot longer. Yeah. And then if you look at what happened to Conor after the Yeti Alvarez fight, he goes and fights Floyd Mayweather in a boxing fight, one of the biggest pay-per-views of all time. We don't see him for two years. He's fought twice in the last four years in the UFC. And then he comes back in a very weird build to the whole Habib fight. Yeah, just... Didn't look like the same guy. No. And then, obviously, he looked fantastic against Donald Cerrone. Yeah, so, and uh, you know, they fought in 2014, so since that fight... Connor has went six and two, hmm. and then for Dustin, he had went ten and two with one no contest. So you see the activity right. more for Dustin, as we just mentioned. But and you look, look at the competition. I mean, they both have fought world class guys yeah. since that fight as well. So I wouldn't dig too much into that, but it's just kind of that stat to throw out there and just show that's what we've seen with Connor. He went from being the most active guy on the roster mm-hmm. to this guy that just became a superstar and. You know, was just able to pick and choose what he wanted to do, and he had the UFC by the balls, quite yeah. frankly, you know. Yeah. And for Dustin, he had to scratch, claw, fight every top-tier guy to earn that interim belt, you yeah. know. And I don't want to act like Connor's just been handed everything, because he really Oh, hasn't. he earned that shit. I mean, he earned being the biggest star in the world. It's just once he got to that level. It, it was after the Jose Aldo fight is where he began to be able to, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do this, right. and you're going to say okay. So, the question here... There's a, there's a few because I've been hearing a lot about okay, is Dustin how much better is Dustin Poirier from their first fight? Yeah, I, but it's also how much I think it's very obvious that Dustin Poirier is a better fighter now. He's better at lightweight than he was at featherweight, and he's just older, more mature fighter. He's grown, but you can say the same for Connor too. Yeah, no one seems to be mentioning that, which is odd. To like me. to me, it's obvious that Connor is better is better now than he was when he beat Poirier. I mean, but, he became yeah. You look at the activity difference and you go, okay, is Poirier at this point surpassed Conor McGregor? That has that has those years of hustle of fighting every top contender while Conor was maybe boxing or retired or throwing a dolly at a bus or whatever it might be. Was it was it like that uh, that quote that I remember I used to like when I was in high school football where it's like if you're not getting better or no, it's uh, (laughs) a I'm going to fuck this you, up. You can find it's it. It's basically when you're, like, asleep or when you're not getting better, someone else is getting better than right, you. Right, right. That was essentially, and not verbatim, the quote. That's the question here in my eyes. So I'm curious what you think. I, I sat in my reclining chair last night, Noah, mm-hmm. and I just stared at the wall for, like, 10, 15 minutes playing out this fight in my head over and over. It's as if I was about to get into the octagon. It was kind of strange. Just all the possibilities here. So, you know, in my head, I think... Connor said he's going to get Dustin out of there in 60 seconds. So I, I attacked that per- first. So I'm in my head like... 
You know, I don't doubt that Connor can. He has out of this world power. He, we understand that. You guys saw how good Max Holloway's boxing was. Connor McGregor might be a better boxer if you're talking in the UFC. And look at what Max Holloway just did. Yeah. So, so I look at this point and I'm like, okay, can he? Yes, but Dustin has been hit by some motherfuckers. Yeah. And not even been dropped, man. You look at the hooker fight. You look at a guy like Justin Gaethje. He went into the fourth round with Gaethje. Never got dropped by Gaethje. Gaethje puts people to sleep with a punch. You look at guys like Eddie Alvarez. He's no slouch with the power. And Dustin dominated their second fight. The first one was that no contest. And, you know, a guy like Max, that was a five-round war. And granted, he was bigger than Max. was Max coming up to 155. He still got hit a shit ton. And just ate it and kept going. Won that fight four rounds to one. So, I think Dustin's going to be able to survive the onslaught. Because an onslaught's coming. Yeah. That first minute, two minutes, three minutes, Connor's coming. There's a lot, even though it was very quick, there's a lot you can take away from Connor's performance against Cerrone. Yeah. Look at how he shot out like a cannon. Yeah. But I think Dustin's going to be able to survive. Mm-hmm. He may get rocked. I'm not doubting it. He's going to get hit. But... I think he's going to be able to survive. And this is where it gets fun. So now I play scenarios in my head. If this goes five rounds, is Connor going to be able to beat Dustin over five rounds? I don't like the the story that Connor gasses when the fight goes on. Mm-hmm. Now against Nate, he gassed. That was his first fight at 170. He wasn't used to it. A short notice. I don't buy much into that. Habib, I personally thought he gassed out in that fight pretty hard. Yeah. So that's that's the bigger one well, for me in second, terms of gassing And then out. on the other end of that, the second Nate fight. Exactly. He won round five, I believe. Yeah, he, he gassed in round three. It was round but three then he has four. like a resurgence yeah. out of nowhere and looks great. So I don't want to buy too much into that whole, I don't want to call it like a myth, but it's just, I think it's outplayed. It's detractors. You know? People, you they're know, looking for they're something. Giving a lot of, Connor's giving him a lot of reasons to not like him. Yeah. And that's just something from his fight performances that you can say. That, and they act like his wrestling isn't good or whatever. Both of them, not exactly true. Yeah, so so I'm in my head like, okay, is Connor going to be able to pull out a decision over Dustin? Especially after the fight we just saw Dustin and Hooker that went you know all the way and all these just wars that Dustin's been in. Is Dustin going to be able to finish Connor? This is the other thing that I kind of attacked, and I'm like, ugh. Connor doesn't get KOTKO'd. Right. He's been submitted. I think all four of his losses are via submission, or three out of the four for sure are. But it's like, I, I, Dustin, I don't think, is going to try and get this fight to the ground. I don't think he's going to try and submit Connor. I just, I don't see that happening. I see this being a stand up war. So those are all the scenarios here. And I'm just like, okay, I have to pick somebody to win. Yeah. I'm sitting here like, I can't just not pick a winner. So I'm picking a draw. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I am going, and this is, listen, I love Dustin. Everybody loves Dustin. I love Connor because of how historical he is. I got a fucking picture of Connor sitting on my wall right here next Mm -hmm. to us. But I'm going to do it, Noah. I'm going to do it. Dustin Poirier is going to survive the early onslaught, and they're going to battle, battle, Rounds two, rounds three, rounds four, and round number five. And Dustin is going to be able to turn that tide. And I and I'm going with a decision victory. Wow. For Dustin the Diamond Fourier. Very Whether close. that be unanimous, three rounds to two, 
or even a split where one sees it for McGregor. I, I, that's what I went with. I'm, no, I'm going to let you dig because hey, I just went on a very look, long uh, spiel. Truthfully, that's a very good pick. I think a lot of people, the odd makers, they're sleeping on Dustin in this fight. Um, I get it. Connor won the first fight very easily. Dustin's just so much better now. He's It's a new weight class. He's so much better at lightweight. He's been so much more active. I totally agree with all those points. However. There's a but, yeah. <clears throat> you, you know, it's it's just... Here's the thing. I truly think that this fight's going to be stand-up only. Yeah. And I just think that Conor McGregor is another level when you're talking boxing and really there's there's so much that goes into a Connor fight when you're taking that on that there's even if you saw the post or the press conference today how respectful it was it wasn't a lot of that mental warfare the mental warfare is taking the fight in the first place Connor knows he doesn't have to do all the all he had Jose Aldo be a month before the but, fight well happened. I'm saying even if you go after that if you go after the Eddie Alvarez fight after the Habib fight if you look at the Donald Cerrone fight how respectful he was but there is just something about when you take on conor mcgregor when all eyes are on you all the pressures on you this is your biggest fight your biggest moment and you saw with cerrone he wasn't able to live up to that he, he kind of cracked under that pressure i don't think this fight goes under 60 seconds i don't think that it's quicker than their first fight I think that you're going to see a first round that's very, I would even say back and forth. I think McGregor will have the advantage. I think he'll be landing the, the harder shots. But I think Dustin will have his moments. However, I'm going with a round two TKO KO for Conor McGregor. Um, I think it'll be a admiral, ad, ad, admirable, admirable, ad, admirable, admirable yeah. effort. From Poirier, I just think that the lights might be too bright. And overall, when you're talking stand-up, I just think Conor McGregor is another level. And even just stepping in the cage with him is like a mental warfare in itself. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know if all those factors Poirier can truly overcome. We'll see, though. Yeah. You do make a good point, you know, especially at lightweight. Outside of maybe Michael Johnson, the the guy's really been hard to put away. Yeah. And it's... It really is tough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. But overall, I'm very excited for this fight. Oh, yeah. No matter you can't how long not it goes. be excited. And, over, and that was your fight of the night pick, right? Oh, yeah. Therefore, yes, that is my fight of the right. night if, uh, with my prediction of five rounds. Yeah. This is going to be a huge card. This is going to be a huge fight. Um, and I don't think Poirier, by losing this, it might, if, if it goes the way I think it does, um, I don't think it puts him back too far. I mean, again, it's Conor McGregor. It's... You know, we know how good he is, and no matter what the detractors say, he is one of the best in the world still in my eyes, and until he shows me he isn't, especially now he looks re-motivated, re-energized. He looks in much better shape than he's ever been he in. He said big things are coming. He I, said this I performance just, is going to and, and maybe call me crazy because this guy, you know, a lot of times he's kind of like that snake oil salesman where he's like, just whatever you can say to promote a fight, yeah. right? He said a lot of similar things in that first Habib fight, but yeah. now he lost and he goes back and says that, you know, my foot was a balloon and yeah, all yeah. this stuff. Uh, however, I, I am going to buy in here and say that McGregor is back and that he is better than when he left the first time 
we're we're gonna have a lot to recap here come Monday, regardless Agreed. of the result, mm-hmm. especially of these two co-main and main event, because these are vital of the utmost importance in this lightweight division right now. Yep. But we're gonna leave it there. That is our preview of UFC 257. Dom, um, what are, what time are these fights starting on Saturday? Prelims, I believe, are 7 p.m. East Coast. And then, as always, or usually anyway, the main card, the pay-per-view is at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard, ESPN+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And a uh, pay-per-view is $70? Yeah, they bumped it up starting this year. So, so $70, that hurts a bit, but what a huge card to start that on. So yeah. we'll, be, we'll be shutting it out. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no doubt. But check out these fights. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of our preview. Give us your predictions for the fight. But with that being said, Dominic Salee, before I let you take over with your social media plugs, the rest of the week or oh, next yeah. week. Yeah, true. Monday we're going to be recapping all the action that happened Saturday night. We'll talk about all these fights we just previewed in detail. And Wednesday, it's this, Saturday's going to be big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because uh, we're doing the state of Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. And... Uh, we truly don't know what direction that video is going to go yet because nope. Saturday hasn't happened. So be ready on be on the lookout for both of those. But again, until then, Dominic Salee, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. On Twitter, on Instagram, at dsalee14. Find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at nt baker underscore you'll be taken to our link tree which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on along with the social media platforms that includes the twitter the instagram the youtube channel and spotify google and apple podcast it's all on there baby and there's a couple links for the anchor page first leaving a voice message shout out tyler again absolutely saving the way pioneer something we want to hit hard in 2021 if you would like to have your voice shown on the podcast like Tyler's was. All you have to do is go to that link and you can record up to 60 seconds. You can talk about, you know, reacting to a fight, previewing a fight. Uh, Do you have a video idea? Do you just want to say hi? Do you want to tell us we fucking suck? You do it there. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all of that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out. We'll see y'all on Monday.